What is the correct approach for the 49ers running backs in week two? Where will Tyson Williams finish among the running backs in 2021? And is this the weekend to go with Rob Gronkowski over Kyle Pitts in your starting lineup? Plus the week one second place team in the 2021 FFPC main event, Garrett Lorman swings in to talk, uh, talk Debo Samuel to talk James White and discuss Zach Moss and so much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts. Now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson. Make out of the lesson. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. High Stakes Fantasy Football for the 2021 season. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you to the Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out all their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs listening uh, live, downloading, streaming later, whatever it is, whether you're uh, in, in town here or around the world. Welcome. It's, it's all for you. It's the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. I am, as always, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, it was great seeing you in Louisville. It was great seeing you in Las Vegas. My only regret, we didn't hang out more, man. It's, but it's a busy time for both of us those couple of weekends, man. How you been? How you doing? I'm doing really great. I'm proud that we lived through it, Balky. We had a lot of obligations, a lot of people to see. It was a blast. I would have loved to have been there longer. I can't wait to get back. I'm already planning Las Vegas FFPC 2022. Good for you, because I already started my plans for KFFSC 2022. I'm very excited for that. And by the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a happy belated birthday to you, good sir. Uh, congratulations on finally, what, are you, what did you turn, 45, 44, somewhere around Yes, there? sir. You, you know, Balky, uh, if you'll forgive me for not saying, I'll forgive you for asking. But, you know, i, I got to <laughs> tell you, um, it doesn't take anyone long to do the math. This was number 63, and uh, I was, I'm, I'm proud to say that uh, I'm proud to say that I'm still in there swinging, just like our guest yeah. for later on tonight, Mr. Garrett. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, listen. You swing more than uh, than than a lot of people. Uh, Farrell Elliott, the king of landing punches, for sure. So I am. Uh, I'm proud to call you my friend, and I'm proud to celebrate uh, another year Thank on this know. planet with you playing fantasy football. Absolutely. Uh, coming up on tonight's show, we're going to give you our thoughts on Saquon Barkley after we saw him now in action twice this season. We're going to talk about whether Elijah Mitchell makes her a better start than James Robinson in Week Two. And Garrett Lorman, as Farrell mentioned, the second-place team in the 2021 FFPC main event, after one week of play, is going to join us shortly to talk about Cortland Sutton's golden opportunity in front of him, Rondale Moore's uh, season-long outlook for the remainder of this year, and much more. Shout-out to the chat room right now. we got the Bourbon City Baller in there, John Terry's in there, Wasp Guy, a ton of guys in there right now uh, hanging out, talking high-stakes fantasy football, and uh, we always encourage that type of behavior on this show. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFF Hour. I'm at Eric Balkman. You can always check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Our Facebook page is at uh, HSFF Hour on there as well, and if you want to chime in and talk with us, please do. 
Our phone number is 347-426-3682, 347-GAME-OVA. Did you miss out on Elijah Mitchell? What happened with Brandon Ayuk? A ton of stuff to discuss, not to mention this Josh Jacobs thing, which we're actually going to talk about in a second here. Um, but that is where you can connect with us uh, if you want to talk with us live tonight, if you want to shoot your emails to us. Our email address is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Our producer and mutual friend Rob and my best friend and audio engineer Bryce will do their best to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails coming up in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. All right, without further ado, Farrell, since this pertains to your Raiders, I'm going to get your thoughts on this to get the inside scoop. Now, we mm-hmm. all saw that Josh Jacobs was limping around quite a bit during that Ravens-Raiders game on Monday night. No surprise there. He was kind of ineffective. Got in the end zone twice, but only 10 carries for 34 yards. Now, um, a lot to ask you here, because Josh Jacobs already ruled out for Sunday today. Um, I'm wondering how significant you think this injury might be. And I'm, I'm also kind of interested, the NFL Network, uh, Ian Rappaport said that Peyton Barber is expected to, quote, handle some of the lead back duties against the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. So that kind of gums up the works. I was ready to flex out Kenyon Drake in a lot of my leagues. Now I'm not so sure how that backfield is going to go. So number one, how serious do you think this Jacobs injury is? And number two, how do you handle this if you have Jacobs or even if you don't and you have Drake and or Peyton Barber on your team? Uh, an ankle injury acerbated by a, um, a turf toe. And turf toe only responds to one thing, and that's rest. That's what the player's getting. I, I think Josh Jacobs played with with a lot of courage, a lot of toughness on uh, Monday night. And good for the Raiders. They got a they got a, a great classic win in, in Raiders fashion. Uh, that's about all you could say about that. So, you know, they go to Pittsburgh. It's a very difficult exi- assignment. You expect them to play from behind. You, Drake showed excellent uh, receiver skills, balance, and, and um, ran very well after catching the ball against a tough Baltimore defense, which, sh- which shouldn't typically allow that. I expect him to uh, score well against Pittsburgh Steelers. I expect the Steelers to win that game. The Raiders coming off an emotional game, uh, a Monday nighter, then going on the road to go back east and play, losing Jacobs. they got a lot of things going against them. So uh, the, if you expect the Raiders to be chasing on the scoreboard, uh, Peyton Barber's not the answer. Drake is. I'd get him in the lineup if I were you. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. And, and that's the way I'm leaning. Obviously, it kind of depends upon who you have, too, um, with, sure. uh, with Drake. And obviously, nobody on by injury uh, issues at a minimum right now. But that's the latest we have straight from the mouth of the uh, Raider, our resident Raider himself, Farrell <laughs> Elliott. Let's get into um, uh, something that has been uh, buzzing in the chat room right now. John Terry and I having a discussion on Will Fuller, Farrell. Dolphins head coach Brian Ful- uh, Flores said that Will Fuller is already out for week two against the Bills with a personal issue. Cameron Wolf on Twitter was actually the one who broke this news. Now, what's okay, we get it week two, but Flores also did not say if uh, Fuller is going to come back to the Dolphins at all this season. He was suspended for week one. He failed a PED test uh, at the end of the 2020 season. The Dolphins themselves have offered no insight into what exactly is, is going on here. Remember, he signed a one-year $10 million uh, deal with Miami this offseason that was fully guaranteed. Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell, obviously going to factor in huge into uh, Miami's passing game again. Um, do you have any insight on this, Farrell? I guess for what I know right now, which is very, very little, because the Dolphins and Flores are not really commenting on this, I'm not – obviously, I'm not starting Fuller, but I'm not dropping him anywhere. I, I want to see how this plays out. Do you have any insight into this and what you would be doing with Will Fuller? No, not at all, but I'm I'm impressed with how the Dolphins are handling it. There's no nod or winks to the media. There's not a lot of speculation coming from inside the building. A, a team can coalesce around a, a player's coach who protects the interests of the players. And I think as they look at how – Will Fuller's situation is being handled, and I'm sure all these players have some ideas as to what the player is going through. Now, he's not going to be a liability to you until the bye week start. And we all know Fuller to be a special player when he gets on the field. From a standpoint of who is there, you mentioned it, Parker and uh, Waddle. And and I think for the first time, uh, Parker on the other side of him has a – a complimentary receiver where both players do things much differently 
and do them very, very well. So I, I expect these guys to continue to do um, to be fantasy standouts, and the team may become um, the way the the offense will click, especially at the quarterback position. His relationship with Waddle, uh, Fuller's opportunity to contribute on the field, the longer he stays away. Uh, may become less, but I like the way the team is handling it, and you know they got a lucky bounce when the when New England fumbled late in the game in in the scoring zone when a field goal would have lost the game for them. They got a big game this weekend. Uh, let's see how these two receivers do. But if they keep catching the ball, running with the ball after they catch it like they have so far, uh, Fuller may be uh, less of a uh, less of a contributor at Miami than what we initially thought. For what it's worth, I did not. I was not high on Jalen Waddle coming into the season for redraft leagues, and I didn't draft them in a lot of spots. But after commissioning a bunch of drafts and, and sitting in, mm-hmm. in, in some Kentucky drafts, I noticed that a lot of smart people, notably Danny Mueller, uh, former Kentucky uh, main event champion, and her friend Jeff Tirabassi, uh, Cornfins himself, I noticed both those. Now, Jeff Tirabassi is a big Dolphins fan, but he's also a very successful sure. high-stakes fantasy football player. They were taking Jalen Waddle pretty consistently in Las Vegas and in Louisville, uh, for sure, which is very interesting to me, something to keep an eye on there. All right, something that we are definitely going to keep an eye on, and maybe both eyes, and we're going to have a surgical implant for a third eye to be put in our forehead because there is so much going on with this San Francisco running game right now. Mike McDaniels. Okay, so let's break the latest news on this. Number one, Kyle Shanahan, from according to the San Francisco Chronicle, said that Trey Sermon was not active week one because he, quote, wasn't one of the top three backs, okay? So mm. to me, that means that he wasn't uh, healthy and active because uh, he wasn't playing special teams. But now we found out that Mike McDaniels, who's the new offensive coordinator for the Niners, say that Trey Sermon will be active after he has looked better in practice this week. Um, Kyle Shanahan has said, according to McDaniels, um, don't tell me, Show me. In, in other words, I don't want to hear what you can do. I want to see what you can do on the field. And Sermon, according to McDaniels this week, has shown that he wants an opportunity, which is what he's going to get uh, in week two. Um, Elijah Mitchell obviously was, was insane this week as far as bidding goes. I thought I bid a ton on him. Apparently it wasn't enough because I didn't get him in any league. And I was just telling the guys in the chat room, too, I don't know how I feel about that yet. I, I don't know if I'm upset about it. Or if I'm not upset about it, Elijah Mitchell, 19 rushes for 104 yards and a touchdown against Detroit. Raheem Mostert out for the season. So now we have Jeff Wilson. We have Elijah Mitchell. We have Jermichael Hasty, We have Trey Sermon. So you look at this situation now, Farrell. Let me phrase it like this. Um, and this is a question we got from uh, Wasp Guy in the chat room earlier. And he said um, he wants to know, number one, um, who will be the running back stud later in the 21, uh, 2021 season. Farrell, is it going to be Elijah Mitchell, who everybody spent an arm and a leg on, or is it going to be Trey Sermon? Yeah, that's a very, very difficult question to answer. And so to, to try to get to it, you know, Elijah Mitchell is a player we were excited about, Balky, very early on when we were drafting uh, back in February, uh, March, uh, prior to the NFL draft. Uh, Mitchell was a player that in in the best balls I I took in every league I could get my hands on him. He had a great senior bowl. We talked about that here on the show. Uh, I was surprised he lasted to the sixth round and even a little more surprised uh, when he landed at the 49ers. But they know running back talent, and they've got a good eye for it. And, you know, so I took that with a grain of salt that he probably wouldn't get the kind of opportunities that he needed this year. But this is a player – you know, we, we talked about it, uh, one of the things we admire in running backs is contact balance. You hit him, and he doesn't go down. You tackle him, and he falls forward. He gets extra yards. Rushing is all about an attitude. And perhaps our Mr. Sermon did not have the same kind of attitude that some of these other players on this roster have. Um, but we have to pump the brakes a little bit. I was stunned to see the amount of, of fab money that was exhausted uh, in, in the bidding uh, for Elijah Mitchell. It's not that he's not worthy of that, but he's he's a participant in uh, Coach Shanahan's offense, who is a second-generation coach whose family invented the idea of running back by committee. And not only are we going to uh, 
not know uh, which running back is, is going to come to the forefront, we're not necessarily going to know when. And, and it could change from week to week based on what they perceive players to be doing in practice and what they perceive players to be doing in the game. I absolutely love Mitchell, but, you know, you're going to have, uh, uh, you're, you're going to have a variety of games. They're going to flirt with the 20 number, and you're going to have some single-digit games as well if you count on starting him every week. And that's, that's my prediction, and uh, it, uh, it, it could become very tiresome uh, for the fantasy players to try to guess which week will be Elijah's week. And this is why the Lord, our Savior, invented best ball. So we would not have to deal with stuff like this and manage leagues throughout the season. Um, Farrell, question from the chat regarding this. Actually, regarding a couple of the topics we talked about already. Um, Hudson Kern-Reeve is asking, uh, he wants to make this clear, he's asking for John Terry. He wants to know who you would start in week two. If you, ha- if you could only start either Elijah Mitchell or Kenyon Drake, which is the guy you would go with at your second running back or your, one of your flex positions? I'm probably going to go with Elijah Mitchell just because I loved what I saw. And, you know, in Kenyon Drake, I loved what I saw too. But Kenyon Drake might have to catch as many as eight balls to equal Mitchell's production this week. And then saying that, I would not be surprised if Mitchell touches the ball five times. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, not, not so, and I would basically be changing my lineup back and forth until kickoff. That would be my answer to the question. I, I and I probably I I would if I was in that situation I'd probably be doing the same thing. Although I will side with you, I think I am more likely to go with Mitchell than Kenyon Drake. However, I have Kenyon Drake in a few leagues and Elijah Mitchell in any leagues. So that is a uh, topic for a different conversation. <laughs> hey, we're going to get into the 49ers uh, running back discussion, which with our guest here, which I want I want to bring him aboard right now. He's mm-hmm. been a high stakes fantasy football regular and a professional animal cartoon JPEG flipper for about the last half decade or so. He's an ex-professional poker player from Miami, Florida, and enjoys his days sitting at home, nerding out on the couch, and not enjoying his proximity to the beach. Sounds like a man after my own heart. Currently, he has nine FFPC main event football guys and best ball league titles under his belt and sits in second place among 3,000 teams in the 2021 FFPC main event. You follow him on Twitter, at Garrett Lorman. Please welcome on to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Mr. Garrett Lorman. Garrett, welcome to week two, and welcome to the show, man. Hey, guys. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm a How's little it going? confused. It's going good. I'm a little <laughs> confused. I want to I wanna, I wanna, uh, ask a couple of questions about yeah. um, the uh, the intro that that we we use for you tonight. Yeah, what let's is a get professional into it. animal cartoon? Yeah, the, a professional animal cartoon JPEG flipper. <laughs> uh, what is that, and why are you no longer a professional poker player? Oh man, yeah. Well, on the poker, I started playing you know semi professionally when I was like seventeen or eighteen online, and I did it you know on an, uh, online for about six or eight years until you know that kind of uh, didn't exist anymore. Uh, everybody called it Black Friday. Uh, then I, you know, started playing live poker and casinos and stuff after online kind of went away. And I don't know, it just got monotonous. Like I got tired of it. It wasn't it wasn't fun anymore. So I kind of hate poker now. So yeah, uh, the, <laughs> the 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 animal JPEG uh, comment. The, the, I'm just I've been flipping a lot of NFTs lately, and uh, most of them are. That's the joke in the community. Most of them are. Godly cartoon animals. Um, so yeah, just I, I do a lot of crypto stuff now. So yeah, you, you know. So you're living the crypto dream. You're you're an NFT maven, and you're in second place for five hundred thousand dollars. Not a bad spot to be in right now, Garrett. No, it's all right, man. I, it's the weather's nice down here. So yeah, you know, life's not too bad. So, so Garrett, you're you're trading crypto more than investing in it. You're flipping it. You're moving it. You're, no, you're making I mean, trades. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm trading NFTs like within, you know. I, I mean, sure. I'm, I'm I'm super bullish long term on crypto. I mean, that's uh, I'm I'm never going to not hold any, um, you know, specifically mostly just ether um, and a little bit of Bitcoin. But yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm, blockchain is the future, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm super bullish long term. But within within the investment, you know, there's there's a lot of flipping involved. So, well, good for you, buddy. You know, I, I can see that when 
when we roll around into February, and uh, even before that, I suppose, in very early January, if you continue this pace, it will be determined that you are the a $500,000 FFPC main event champion, and and perhaps you can select part, if not all, of that in crypto. But, uh, you know, your your ability to... If I can get paid out in Ether, um, I'll take it. There you go. (laughs) There you go. I I, I love that. Well, you know, one of the things... There's several things about the team that you put together, your first-place team, um, that I really like. Now, we share in common... Uh, that we are very, very uh, bullish on Jamar Chase. I I thought there was just a little bit too much talk um, coming out of Cincinnati about how Chase was not uh, comfortable on the field, how he complained that the ball was different from what was used in in college. It it looked like there's just too much of a a fine uh, uh, dig into his daily activity as a football player. So, you know, leave a young player alone and let's see how he does. Now, but I thought that I could get this player in the draft because of that, that I could get him at a discount. And you, uh, when I look at the draft board here, I see that you do something different. You, uh, uh, Darren Armani's mojo uh, thrown aside, you went uh, even around before ADP on Jamar Chase. What what made you reach out for this uh, for this rookie player? And congratulations on doing so. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it's funny to hear that. Uh, it's funny to hear anybody say that you know five ten is early. I mean, I don't know. I've been drafting since May, actually, maybe even early. Mm-hmm. When, I don't know whenever these whenever these FBG start. Um, and I mean, he was going in like the late fourth, early fifth rounds, like all off season. So I mean, I was, you know, I, I'm obviously, you know, I, I was pretty excited to hear all this, you know preseason talk uh, i i don't put much weight into any of that i mean that look i mean when it comes when it comes down to it man like talent outweighs everything and i mean mm-hmm. he's he's a very he's a known quantity he's probably the most talented receiver in this draft i mean i and i mean also i mean this is this is generally like this mid fifth to like end of the seventh or end of the sixth round, early seventh round, like this is a this is kind of a wide receiver dead zone. Like this is a running back dead zone. This is a receiver dead zone. This is a tight end dead zone. Once Fant fell out, you know, into the seventh, like this is dead. So, I mean, it, it, ADP kind of goes out the window at this point. Um, you know, I, I think after the, the, the Judy, Ayuk, you know, it chase after chase, it's just kind of pick who you like. I, I mean, for me, ADP is out the window. Like I, I hate all of the running backs in that, in that range. I hate all of the receivers in that range. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just take take who you like. I mean, the difference between taking Jamar Chase at 5'10", I don't know, what, what, what did he fall to, like 6'9", 6'10", at some point. But, it's, it, I mean, when you're, when, you're, when you're drafting between 10 and 12 here, uh, specifically round 3 and 4 and 5 and 6, like, it's, this is a shitty position to draft from, honestly. Like, this is not – like, these are just two, two dead zones where, where you are just you're, – you're reaching for whoever you like anyways. So, you might as well take the best player. Fair enough. Get your guys. That's what it's all about. And uh, yeah. you certainly and I mean, did there. And, and, Congratulations. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like, if we're going it, to – it's funny because, I mean, my, my largest owned player is actually T. Higgins. Uh, I'm actually much more bullish on T. Higgins. But, I mean, I, I, I think, you know – if we're talking about the Cincinnati team, Joe Burrow, all these receivers, I think, you know, there, 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 there's, there's, there's something off when, you know, you have essentially three receivers being taken, you know, on, on, in the first six rounds, and then, you know, have Joe, Joe Burrow falling to the end of the 13th by the end of this main event. So I just, there, there's something Great. off there. Either like, either yeah. Joe Burrow is undervalued or the Cincinnati receivers are, are, are undervalued. Uh, or overvalued, and, and I, I think Joe Burrow is just really, really undervalued. Uh, I think he fell way too far. I think all the talk about him seeing ghosts and all that. Again, I, I try not to put too much stock into this, you know, preseason talk and preseason action on, on things that I, I you know, I, I've done my research beforehand, and I, I you know, I, all, the only thing I pay attention to is like, you know, ADP movement and trends, and I think. I was happy to see Chase fall because I, I, I'm not taking Chase over T. Higgins pretty much ever. And so my exposure to Chase early on was pretty low. So I was happy to see him fall because I, I wanted to get some exposure. 
Garrett, let's uh, talk about the uh, topic of the evening, and quite frankly, it could be the topic of the season, depending upon which way the Niners' uh, rushing game goes this uh, this year. But the the round after you took Jamar Chase, you get Trey Sermon in the sixth as as your number two back behind Jonathan Taylor. Healthy scratch in week one. What are you doing with him in week two, given the emergence of Elijah Mitchell, the presence of Jamichael Hasty, and the non-existence of Raheem Mostert? Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously most are going down was, you know, you hate to say injuries are predictable, but I mean, (laughs) that guy, that guy's glass. Um, I think, um, I have no interest in starting Trey Sermon right now. Um, I kind of will wait to see how that plays out. I mean, honestly, almost every year, typically, you know, when you're taking running, when you're taking rookie running backs at like the end of the fourth, fifth, sixth, even going into like the late seventh round, like I'm, I'm not taking running backs in that range, really looking to start them in the early season. Um, usually, you know, when, when you have high draft, when you have high draft capital, uh, rookie running backs, they're being taken in that round in that range. Um, you, you know, they're, they're, they're typically up against, you know, dusty ass veteran running backs who are, are just going to get <laughs> out, phased out and outplayed by like week eight anyways. So I'm really taking guys like this in, in, in this range. Um, Mostly just uh, uh, for, for you know late, later in the season uh, um, towards the playoffs, and, and I think that's when Sermon is gonna you know gonna be playable and gonna have value. I think you know most are going down was definitely interesting. I, I know I heard you guys talking about Elijah Mitchell earlier and the FAB price for him, which is I, I will just say it's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's so far <laughs> beyond what he's worth. It's 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 so disgustingly beyond what he's worth. I mean, truly, like I, we, we, you know, my my partner Eric and I, uh, you know, we we do we do ten man events this year and a bunch of FBG and a bunch of you know private leagues and other stuff. And I mean, I think we have I think we actually have zero Elijah Mitchell exposure. And I mean, it's it, it, it's you know we talked about it you know before the season and and and. You just didn't get around to, you know, taking any 20th round. And then I think we put in – I mean, we talked – we knew what he was going to go for this week, and we knew that, like, it was way overpriced. I mean, personally, you asked me, I think he should have been going for, like, 250 or 300. I knew he was going to be going for, like, seven or eight. We put in, I think, pretty much 550, 560 across the board, knowing that we weren't going to get any. But, you know, just you got to keep – you got to keep people honest in these leagues. Um, so we put those bids in. And I think we ended up with like 70% hasty ownership, which, which honestly I'm more interested in than Mitchell at the price. Um, I think, you know, for him to be going for 750, 800 when he's not even looking at a, a bell cow role, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually insane. Um, he, well, you, in a you know, so let, let's stay yeah. there at San Francisco because I think everybody except the people that won the bids share this opinion with you. And, you know, I put in a protest bid in a couple leagues for $1 where people can say, you think Farrell really thought he was going to get him for a dollar? But you, okay, let's move to this wide receiver position. And this is an interesting commentary that happens with Sherman. Balky brought up the fact that the coaches thought that that um, Mitchell and other running backs had actually outplayed Sherman in, in camp. And we, we have the same thing happening at the wide receiver position. And I've always loved this. I've always loved a team that's going yeah. to reward the players for looking good in practice. And, you know, Trent Sheffield came in and he got snaps, especially around the goal line. Trey Lance hit him with the first, uh, with the first touchdown pass of his career. And I, Sheffield, the great story as a player, I saw that, you know, three years in Arizona, he leaves Arizona. He hardly could ever get on the field because the wide receiver talent – and I said, now he's going to 49ers. He can't get a break. So good for him that he's on the field. Debo Samuel surprised me with his terrific play. I wonder if he'll continue with that way throughout the year. And what, if you have any Brandon Ayuk uh, shares, uh, if you have this player rostered, what are you going to do with him going forward? Yeah, we do. And I'm, I'm glad we're getting back to receivers because, let's be honest, running backs are worthless. Um, you know, we, 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 we did uh, – we, we typically, typically, if we're going to spend a first or a second round pick on a running back, we just throw that position away until round nine or ten. We did kind of go on a little spending spree here and with uh, Trey Sermon. So, yeah, we, we, we did spend a little bit more than we normally like to at this position. So, glad to uh, – we're, we're, we're piss boys. You know, we, we paint it yellow. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's, 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 let's talk, let's talk about some receivers here. Um, yeah, Debo, I, you know, look, Debo 
Debo plays an entirely different role than Ayuk does, right? I mean, not to go back to running backs again, but, I mean, this is the same thing as, like, as like you know, Shanahan offenses and running backs, right? Like, he always has – the whole reason that, like, Sermon is never going to be a bell cow is because, going back to Atlanta, right, like, Shanahan always has two running back offenses, and the running backs perform different duties, right? And so, like – and so Ayuk obviously, you know, performs different duty than Debo. Debo's going to have the manufactured touches. He's going to be the volume receiver, right? And so, like, obviously, you know, I, I think typically when you have these like kind of amb- ambiguous situations where like you're not really sure who's going to get the touches, who's going to get the volume, I, I typically like to take the cheaper option. Um, and I think you know D- Debo kind of fulfills that role. Like he's a he's he's a volume receiver. Um, whether he's like the number one, no, he's not the number one because Kittle's the number one, right? I mean, Kittle's the number one receiver on that team always. So like the question is really like, who's the number two, right? And I think like, yeah, I, I mean, I, look, I, I think th- this whole Ayuk thing is blown out of proportion. I know they said it was like mm-hmm. a work ethic thing, but I, you know, I think it's really just, he tweaked his hamstring like around, I think week three or something I read. Um, so I, am I, am I concerned with starting Ayuk? This week, yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm probably still starting him comfortably. You know, it depends who the other options are. I mean, we typically take a shitload of receivers, so, like, typically our teams are going to have tons of options. Yeah. So we're probably not going to start him, but, like, because we, we, we probably have six startable receivers on most teams. So, yeah, probably not just plugging him in. But, I mean, if, if you don't have better options, like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if I just goes for 20 or 25 this week. I, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think, like, you know, the, Shanahan's, Shanahan's another one of these, like, ah, he's an idiot. Like, I, I don't like Shanahan either. Like, I think, like, you know, he, he plays games. Like, could I, you, you know, could I, you be one of these games? Yeah, I mean, I guess. But, like, he, he's really talented. I, I think I, I think that'll work itself out, too. Just just like I think, like, there's a good chance the Trey Sermon situation will work itself out. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, if, if I have Debo, I'm slotting him in pretty much everywhere. Like, he's a volume catcher. You know, he's getting tons of targets. I don't think that's going to slow down. Um, yeah, but again, they play different roles. They can, they all, all three of them can eat Kittle, Debo, Ayuk. They can all eat every week. If you're just joining us, we are talking to the second place team in the FFPC main event, uh, Garrett Lorman, who is also a self proclaimed piss boy, big fan of the wideouts. And quite <laughs> frankly, Garrett, I'm a little nervous to ask you this next question because it goes back to running backs here. But, um, you know, you talked about when you go for running back early, you, you kind of ignore the position until the ninth, tenth round. Well, in, the, in this main event that you have sitting in second place right now, you get Jonathan Taylor in the second round, and then you get Tyson Williams in the eleventh round. And I'm kind of curious because while there's no, like, like up-and-coming threat to him in the backfield, you do have some proven players back there, Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell. I'm just kind of curious, what are the odds that you think he ends up finishing as a top 25 back this year with guys like that next to him in that backfield to Baltimore? Oh, man, hold on. You're getting me excited talking about Tyson, so uh, give me a second. Oh, boy. Trigger. (laughs) All right. Tyson. Okay, so he's our most owned player by far. Uh, I think we're at like 85% Tyson ownership. Um some of it drafted in the later ones um super bullish on him um before week one waivers like we 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 paid for him i think we paid like 500 fab week one which is like kind of overkill i think he was going for like three or 350 but we got him literally everywhere and that was before gus edwards went down um wow and I, yeah i mean i mean like i mean yeah I, I, can he be a top 25 running back for sure like no question you know Week one, on the surface, last week was good. Um, there are certainly some concerns, and I think some of them are, are a little overblown. You know, I think a lot of fantasy Twitter was, you know, looking at the, the missed block that caused the Lamar fumble at the end of the game. But, I mean, the blitz package was, was such that, like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great block, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't a total disaster. He did kind of pick it up. And, I mean, he had multiple pass, uh, pass protection situations in the game that he picked up fine. And I do think on blitzes, the, the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken, don't blitz much. And I, I think he was the only back to pick up blitzes. And he did fine the rest of the game. So, yeah, I mean, again, this is, this is another one of those, like, he's not a rookie, but, I mean, he, he kind of is. You know, he, he has a very unique story. He's an older breakout player. Well, assuming he breaks out, that is. Um, 
I, you know, he he did the B, he did the BYU thing, and I, I think there was a, a, a like a more like a Mormon trip or something in there, and he. Uh, you know, he had the, the, the knee injury, um, but I mean, I watched a lot of tape on him, um, and I I really like Tyson. I think he's really talented. Yeah, they brought in like three old dusty ass veterans that are like 35 years old or some shit, like Latavius and 45 year old Devontae <laughs> Freeman, and like you know, uh, and and Le'Veon Bell, who I'm surprised is still walking. So yeah, I mean, he's got some competition now. You know, I I, I do think he's. You know, he's got some standalone value over the next coming weeks. Last week was a perfect spot for him to break out because, I mean, the Raiders' rush defense is absolutely horrible. Um, That was was an obvious spot for him to break out. And, I mean, now he's playing, and I think it's a 57-over-under game, 56-over-under game, I think, on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs. So, I mean, this is another spot where, like, plenty of spots, plenty of chances for him to put up a, a decent game. I mean, even if he doesn't have a good game, he's still got enough standalone value where, like, if you go zero running back, like, he's totally fine to slot in. But, I mean, my real interest in him is, I mean, again, the, all these veterans, like, they, they're dust. I mean, they're going to be dust by, like, week seven. Like, they're going to be done. Like, I just want him to, like, outlast these guys and be the bell. He can be a bell cow back by, by playoff time. And, again, like, when you take these, these, like, young, kind of new, fresh, like, rookie running back, or not, he's not a rookie, but, like, kind of. Um, I really, you're just drafting him for later in the season, right? Like, you, you you take these sermons, these Tyson Williams, and then you get some, you know, kind of bullshit receiving backs, like, I don't know, Gio or James White or some guys that can, like, stand there and get catch some passes and be fine, put up your nine points a week at running back two until, you know, until playoff time comes, and then you have a, 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 a bell cow starting running back eventually if you take enough of them. So it's just a volume. Well, I saw some things in Tyson Williams that will make me look away from the fact that he missed a block or two. I'm, I'm right there with you. Let's, you know, you say you don't like uh, the way Shanahan handles some of his players, and, and you know, I'm there with you. Uh, you know, players like to play, so if we're up and down the roster, these guys like the fact that they get on the field. But damn, you don't like Shanahan, but you love his players, and you drafted another one. Uh, you waited on quarterback, which. I called myself waiting on quarterback. I, I waited to the ninth round in one main event team to get Herbert to the 13th. and the 13th, I got Stafford, and I thought I did a good job. You, my friend, were very impressive. However, in the 12th round, and, and my, my, my great pal Bobby Sangerman will get a smile out of this, in the 12th round, you drafted another 49er. We can't get out of San Francisco tonight. <laughs> I know, you drafted man. Trey Lance. Your, your first quarterback's not playing. And then you waited yep. to the 18th and drafted Winston, which, you know, you got by with that in week one. I'm curious to, to know uh, uh, how that's going to play out during the year. Uh, what were you thinking about at the quarterback position? And more importantly, does this, does this 12 and 18 quarterback combination of Lance and Winston, does that mirror what you do everywhere, or was that just an outlier? Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, like, you try not to have the same, exact same constructions, you know, when you're doing volume. Sure. But, yeah, I mean – Typically, typically, yeah. I mean, again, this is this is a year-to-year thing. I mean, this is a this-year thing. I know last year um, we were taking a lot of these, you know, uh, seventh, eighth-round Kyler type of like running quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I still very big on the on. I think if your your quarterback needs to either be a slanger, but he really he has to run. Um, and I think Trey Lance accomplishes that. I mean, if you look at the percentage of 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 guys drafted in the you know top end of the first round, like they they always start. I mean, they're always starting by like the teams by. So like the right. same with Fields. I think Fields and, and Lance. I mean, they're comparable. Like they're both good. They're both going to run a lot. They're both going to put up a lot of points on the ground. Like it, they're they're very very safe plays. And I think you know this team in particular. Like obviously once we take uh, uh, Sermon and Debo, where I mean we have to complete the stack at that point, especially at this price. I think it's a really good price. And, I mean, yeah, again, you know, it's the same idea with, like, with the running back situation, right? It's like, okay, we have a quarterback. He's not going to start. Like, we need to take high upside shots at quarterback. And pretty much, I mean, well, if Jameis, does, Jameis accomplishes that, but if Jameis doesn't work out and Jameis just sucks week one, then we stream quarterback, you know. And a bunch of them, mm-hmm. I think one league we even punted to, like, round 18 and went with Zach Wilson, who I'm, I'm a big – although losing my tie back sure, is a disaster for Big disaster for him losing Mackay Becton, though. That's that's yeah. <laughs> we actually I think dropped most of our Zach Wilson now because uh, that's <laughs> I don't want to see how that he plays out for the next four to six weeks. Yeah, yeah, the next four to six weeks are going to be rough. But 
yeah, I think, you know, Jameis obviously, you know, it, it accomplishes what we were trying to do there. We punt, you know, we were essentially punting quarterback until Trey Lance gets there. And, yeah, I mean, look, we know what Jameis is, right? He's a slinger. He throws the he, he throws the ball. He's going to throw a lot of picks. He's not particularly accurate or not particularly I, – I wouldn't say good. I mean, he, he's not great, but he's good for fantasy purposes. I mean, he's going to – if he throws interceptions, he's going to throw his way out of them. So, I mean, it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly not going to be uh, 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 Hill, you know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, – yeah, I think Jameis, for this situation, accomplishes exactly what we're trying to do here. And, yeah, this year, I think, you know, there's a, a huge overcompensation going on as far as ADP for what happened last year in that all the running, you know, mid-round running quarterbacks overperformed. And so now everybody's taking them way too high. And I'm just – I mean – I'm not taking round five, Kyle. Like, I mean, yeah, we have a couple because you can't have no exposure, but that's the, these prices are these prices were getting really out of hand for quarterbacks. So when the market zigs, you zag, and we punt a lot this year. Yep. Um, let's talk about uh, New England here, uh, Garrett. Uh, Damian Harris got a lot of hype as the uh, drafting season went on. Obviously, he had you know 100 yards rushing, a couple of catches in in the first game of the season. But is it still possible? Well, I guess I know it's possible. I guess a better way to phrase this question is when is James White going to be start worthy in high stakes leagues? Is it just going to be in the big bye weeks? Is it just going to be for teams hit hard by injury? What's the upside for James White in 2021 for high stakes players? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of briefly touched on this earlier when we were talking about, you know, running back being worthless. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is. He is, I mean, he is what he is. Like, if you need a running back that's going to put up eight and a half to twelve and a half points every week, you take James White as your running back too in round fourteen, or, or I think that's an ADP fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, whatever it is, right? Like, that's what you do. If that's what you need for your team, then that's what you do. And he's a perfect zero running back candidate because, like, you know, until Trey Sermon or until Tyson, until these guys work out, like, hey, if you need a guy that's going to score, not put up a zero running back too, he, he's a really good option. He's never going to like be the starter or, or he's never he's always a third down back he's never going to be like you know a bell cow he's never going to be getting first and second down you know uh, non-passing game work um and you know now with damien you know now damien harris is in the doghouse and i mean Ramondre looked absolutely awful i mean like historically awful i think he i think he he there were like three plays it was the fumble, and then I think he missed pass production on both of the uh, 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 of the blitz of the blitzes he faced. And I mean, he, I mean, to say he's dust, like Bill Belichick does not forgive that. So we actually, I mean, where does that leave you? Well, we we actually picked up a bunch of JJ Taylor this week because I think you know mm-hmm. that makes for a really interesting play for two bucks or whatever you know you can grab him for, um, because clearly like there's a hole. Right, because I mean, James, again, James White can't be a three-down back, so somebody's got to take that 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 first and second down work, right? Um, don't give away all the company secrets, Garrett. I don't know why Balky <laughs> Balky must be uh, contractually <laughs> obligated to keep asking you about running backs. Let's talk about receivers, Devin. You know, Let's we, do it. It, it. It's so great. So many players that we talked about tonight. I live in Louisville, Kentucky. They they a number of players all have ties. Here And so I want to go, I want to stick in the desert, but I want to go to Arizona, and I want to talk about what's going on with Christian Kirk, who had a marvelous start of the season, and DeAndre Hopkins, who you always know you can count on. You can't get enough teams uh, with Hopkins on it. But on that very team is a rookie receiver who seemed to excel in week one with everything they let him do. He's from right here in Louisville, Kentucky, Rondell Moore, uh, played college ball at Purdue. I like him. I couldn't get him in enough drafts, but I really, really like what could happen to this player. And you're developing a theme in all your evaluations, so I know you have good evaluation about this player, is you're waiting for young players to develop where you can make a hell of a run towards this championship. Is more one of those players? 100%. Actually, all three Moors are three of the top players in every draft. We actually we finally got all three in one, and we named our team more, more, and more. Uh, the Walker. <laughs> so, yeah, we got we got DJ Elijah and Rondale. Huge, very high on all three of them. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I actually think I ha- we have Rondale on this team. I think, right? Yeah, we do. We have Waddle too. Yeah, yeah, we 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 got Rondale on this team. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, Christian Kirk is Christian Kirk. He is fantastic best ball 
player. He's definitely winning percentage. If you take him in best ball, he's great. He's going to put up a bunch of six-point weeks, and then he's going to spike perform and put up a couple of 35-point weeks. Do you know when he's going to put them up? Hell no. Can, is he hmm. playable in redraft? Not really. I mean, yeah, if you've got a bunch of buys and you need somebody to like, or if you're down a lot and you need to catch up points in the playoffs, yeah, okay, having Christian Kirk on the team, not awful because he can put up 35 any week. But, yeah, I mean, he is what he is, right? Like, I will say, though, that, like, you know, uh, definitely on Rondale, um, always on Hopkins. I mean, you know, we, uh, we kind of subscribe to the uh, uh, WWSSD, uh, what would Sean Siegel do? Um, huge Hopkins hmm. guy. Um, huge Hopkins guy always. I mean, Hopkins is great. Um, Rondale, yes. I, I mean, you know, now Arizona's looking potentially top five, top three offense now. Seems like they might be getting it together. So, yeah, I mean, I think everybody can eat on that team. I mean, that is – that's I'm, – I'm interested in all of that. But Kirk, mm, more so in best ball. Uh, let's – Garrett, uh, one, one email I'm going to get to before Farrell asks you our sure. final question of the night. It's, it's from Mark in New York City. And he wants to know, what do you make of the Bills running back situation after Zach Moss got a supposedly healthy scratch in week one? Thanks so much, Garrett. That is Mark in New York City. Mark, thanks for listening. Thanks for the email. So, Garrett, what do you think? Zach Moss, Devin Singletary was all right in in his stead. uh, But what do you make of this uh, situation going forward? Yeah, um, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a lot of people dropped. Zach Moss, and I mean, I think, I think I'm comfortable picking him back up. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy the healthy scratch thing. I, I know there was like an injury in there. Uh, I think that's more coach bullshit. Um, I think, you know, yeah, Singletary is separated, and he's the better player. I think, like we, if you look at the, you know, the ADP graph, like Zach Moss tanked, Singletary started rising. And I think, I think, I don't know if Singletary ever passed him. I think he might have towards the end, but it, it got really close. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you obviously know how that was trending, but uh, yeah, I mean, look again, Zach Moss, though, boring ass running back, right? Like, I mean, even when he was like the shiny new toy last year, like boring ass running back, like he's just, I mean, he, he's not a bell cow. He's always going to be splitting time at best. Like it's not particularly great at pass catching work. Like, I mean, he, it is what it is, man. Like if you, again, if you're, if you're a running back team and you know, he's on the waiver wire and you need somebody to stash to, you know, contingent on a Singletary injury or just to put up six points a week to not get you zero. Sure, man. Fine. Singletary, I think, again, I don't even know that I like Singletary that much more. I mean, again, he's a serviceable running back to option, better than Moss at this point. But that's a passing team, you know? I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's a Diggs team. So that's Josh Allen running in Diggs. <laughs> hey, Garrett, when I was at the draft, uh, one of the things that I always – going through those first couple rounds, I sit there and someone shouts out a name. Sometimes in the first round, more often in the second round, and I say, man, that's that's early draft buyer's remorse. That guy's going to hate drafting that player. I just just pray that nobody's thinking that about my draft picks and that they won't be coming true. (laughs) Did you you experience that at the draft this time? And then – Tell me a player. We need a sleeper. You're going to have to give up something here. Give me a sleeper, and you touched on a couple that might be a good addition to a fantasy lineup, whether you're going to use them or not, a sleeper that you yeah. like for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, cringing when people draft, um, I mean, again, this is probably going to get me in trouble with the fantasy football community because I know the uh, the robust running back guys uh, uh, get excited. But, I mean, Eckler – uh, you know, that, that guy, I mean, I saw him going fourth, fifth, sixth overall at the end. And I mean, ugh, off injured, like hurt before the season again, like no catches in week one. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have Phillip rivers dumping the ball off anymore. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, yeah. I, I think another one is Zeke. Um, look, I, I mean, that that week one, if you have Zeke, I would be panicking. That was a disaster. I mean, not he looked he looked skittish. He looked bad. Pollard looked good. Pollard is getting the pass catching work. I I mean, if if you're in a league where you can trade, I would, or or if you're in a, I don't know the you know 
I don't even know that you could like well, sell on Zeke sure. at this point. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I don't know if anybody – who's – yeah, I know. But, like, I mean, if you can get a decent price for Zeke, take it. But, like, I don't know who's paying for Zeke and Dynasty. Uh, I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. I don't really play that much Dynasty. But I can't imagine that, like, people are excited to be paying for Zeke right now. Um, Dak looked amazing. Um, that uh, I'm, we're, we're huge on, on, on the Cowboys receivers. Like, I think CeeDee Lamb is one of our highest-owned players. Amari also one of our highest-owned. We even have some Gallup, which, hey, man, you never see on injuries, but like Gallup going down, hey, it's great for the shares, I guess. You know, so yeah. yeah. I, I, well, give I, us that sleeper I, now because that's where you that's where you'll really make a legend. You've said some important things and done some great <laughs> things in in this interview, but what you'll be remembered for is your sleeper. You've got the opportunity yeah. to give them number one week sleeper going into week two. Nobody else get that. Who's it going to be? I mean, I, I, you want a, a week two sleeper or a rest of the season sleeper? I mean, obviously, we, like, no, we need a guy that you're going to put in your lineup this week. Yeah, week two. Week two for sure. Week two. Um, damn, I mean, uh, I, we're – well, there's actually multiple of the exact same spot where we sat Saquon for Tyson. So, I guess I, – I mean – I, again, I don't think Tyson's going to get bell cow work, but I mean that's a very high over under on Sunday night football. Um, I, I'm we bench Saquon, so I mean I don't know. I I I, I guess I would say Tyson. I mean another one I really like, uh, Jawan Johnson. Um, ah, there you go. Now that's the sweet. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Now I what mean, do you like about started, that player other than his two touchdowns in opening week? Well, I mean he's I mean he's a receiver. And you guys have him as a tight end. I think you're the only company that has him as a tight end. So <laughs> 1.5 PPR, I mean, you have a receiver, you know, a, a good athletic receiver who you're getting 1.5 PPR. So, yeah, I mean, I, I actually was surprised to see you guys marked him as a tight end. But, yeah, I mean, hey, we'll take the gift. The gift indeed. And the gift that keeps on giving is Garrett Lorman, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. If you want more advice uh, and more fantasy football, maybe some crypto stuff as well. Follow Garrett hey, on Twitter at Garrett Lorman. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, per, and before I go, before I go, before I go, go ahead. Before I yeah. go, I, I, I told him I was going to give him a shout out. Um, Track Rock, yo, homie, I see the top five SPG team. Uh, we didn't paint it purple here. We made, we were piss boys painted it yellow, but I see you, dude. I see you. <laughs> yeah, Crack Rock's doing very well in the Football Guys Players Championship for sure. Yeah, Garrett man, Lerman he's cranking it well. purple. Cranking in it purple, the FFPC man. Minute. It's it, the Piss Boys had a great week one. Anybody who cranked purple in week one is looking good as well. If you crank the right purple, I guess that is. Um, and Garrett, it was a pleasure <laughs> talking to you tonight, man. We follow you hey, on man, Twitter. Thanks for having Garrett me. I appreciate Orman. it. This this was such a treat for you or for us. And uh, I want to uh, wish you nothing but the best of luck the remainder of the season, man. Hopefully, we're talking again with you holding that big check at the end. Hey, man. Uh, anytime, I, I, I'd love to come back, man. I'm going to finish my bourbon here uh, to the Kentucky guy, and let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> good job, Garrett. Go. Garrett, be good, man. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Cheers, man. Have a good night, guys. Thanks. Garrett Lorman, ladies and gentlemen. Follow him on Twitter at Garrett Lorman. This is good stuff, Farrell. Oh, this is the kind of energy that we need in fantasy football, bringing in these young guys with this, with this kind of perspective on it, and I love it, you know, and, and whether or not – you know, he got bored with poker. He got tired of playing online and live. Uh, you know, they took that away from him online as a young guy. He's never going to get tired of fantasy football. And, and I can tell that, that he loves the game. He's knowledgeable about the game. He's wrong about Zeke. He wasn't wrong about a lot of things, but he's wrong about I Zeke. Hope, I, hope you are, I hope you are right about him being wrong about Zeke, for sure, Farrell. Yeah, he's... he's He's wrong about he's wrong about Zeke and Zeke uh, represented a lot of value Friday and Saturday at the draft. But he is uh, he's spot on about what he wants to do. His his answer about Trey Lance and Jameis Winston was impressive. But not only was it impressive in what he expected out of Winston, and and I think he's got the bar set too low because Winston's benefiting uh, from the coaches and the experience that he's had there in New Orleans, uh, not playing. But where he's spot on is the ability to stream quarterbacks. I'll be streaming quarterbacks with one of my teams um, in football guys already, and I certainly didn't intend to do that. And it's, 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 as a strategy, it's a very, very solid strategy. That is a very impressive draft. 
uh, for him to get uh, some of the players that he got at the spots he got them. Good for him. Yeah, and good for him for coming on the show. We are all better because of it. Really enjoyed that conversation. The bourbon-infused conversation with Garrett Lorman tonight. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, Farrell, we're going to go. We're going to try to cover as much as we can in the last five or six okay. minutes here. I do want to get your thoughts on the Giants-Washington uh, football team last night. Saquon Barkley, 84% of the offensive stats. He busted off that big 40-yard run, um, but then it wasn't great after that. Again, like 57 total yards. Um, he didn't look explosive at all. I want to get your thoughts on Barkley. And also the Giants receivers, I mean, my goodness, Kenny Galladay looked like he was chewing out Daniel Jones on the sideline. Kadarius Toney obviously went to Instagram, frustrated with his role. Guy who's not frustrated at all, Sterling Shepard. Nine catches, 94 yards against Washington. He's now got 19 targets in the first two weeks, and he's got 16 catches for 207 yards and a touchdown. Your thoughts on Barkley and Shepard after what you saw against Washington last night, sir? Uh, first Shepard, um, when the game is, is physically uh, defended at the wide receiver position, a smart thing to do is always to throw the slot receiver. And Shepard's playing better this year than I've seen him play in a long time. He's not been he, he's not hurt. He's always played hurt over the last few years. I love the number three uh, in deference to his uh, departed father, Derek. That's it's great seeing him celebrate. Uh, his life of his dad, you know, I think part of the problem with Galladay, and I'll just mention this, is, is I saw P.I. every time the ball was thrown in Galladay's direction, and I think what he's telling the quarterback, get the ball to me quicker, because they're not calling the P.I. on, they're not they're not calling the physical aspects of this game. It's Saquon Barley, we saw what we needed to see, his body is, is repairing, I, I'm sure some of the pain is leaving him. Uh, we saw some glimpses of him from Penn State, but the the loss of uh, Nick Gates probably played into some of his ability to get uh, moving at that position. But I think Barkley's going to be all right, and Barkley's got a while before he plays the uh, Atlanta Falcons. It's a great thing about Thursday night. It's like having an extra bye week in there. I expect Barkley in week three to be a big player in fantasy. Well, Nick in Scranton, Pennsylvania, thinks that Cortland Sutton could be a big player in fantasy. He writes, he didn't get much action in week one, but is Cortland Sutton going to be uh, going to go on a tear now with Jerry Judy out for a couple of months? Farrell, I, I think things are, you know, the, the, the fantasy gods are, are looking favorably on Cortland Sutton right now. Um, I, and again, I think three targets week one, it wasn't great, but no Judy now. What does that mean for Sutton in your opinion? We put him out there and let him play. It means that uh, he also has a quarterback that can deliver him the ball now. I'm very excited about what he can do uh, in this offense. I think we we could be looking at uh, uh, Fant and Sutton and Tim Patrick, Hamler. All these guys are going to figure into a passing game, especially if Gordon's going to continue to run the ball uh, like he did in week one. Let's go rapid fire on these last few emails because they are all essentially start-sit questions. Um, first one okay. is Tyler in uh, Albuquerque. Hey, Balky and Farrell, I'm trying not to overreact to week one, but that ship sailed when I paid 70-plus percent of my fab budget in my FPC league on Elijah Mitchell. Should I compound it further and sit James Robinson in favor of Mitchell in week two? Thanks, guys. That's Tyler in Albuquerque. Farrell, listen, I'm, I'm all for the new normal. I don't know if I could if I can sit James Robinson in favor of Elijah Mitchell, based even based on what we saw from both those guys in Week One. A lot of things went wrong when they went to Houston with the Jacksonville Jags, and one of the ways that you can cure what's going wrong with your football team is have Trevor Lawrence turn around and give it to James Robinson. I expect that's what we're going to see uh, this weekend. Uh, I'd like to have Elijah Mitchell in my lineup, but not at the expense of James Robinson. We are of one mind on that one. Matt in Acton, Massachusetts. Hey, fellas. I was pleasantly surprised with what I got from Jalen Waddle in week one, although he was on my bench. Should I roll with him over Marvin <laughs> Jones this weekend? So just to talk about the matchups here real quick, uh, Jalen Waddle is at home against the uh, Buffalo Bills. Marvin Jones is at home also, but he is against the Denver Broncos. Farrell, where does the value lie there? Where, where would you go? Would you go Waddle? Or MJ Jones. Uh, I'm probably going to look to Marvin Jones just because I loved everything he did. We watched that ball careen when Derek Carr threw it to uh, Willie Sneed and, and fly up in the air 
uh, down around the goal line. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had another missile in, in short area, and Marvin Jones uh, brought it in. Marvin Jones was, was not the leading receiver for this team, but he was the most successful receiver. He got open, and he gave his rookie quarterback a, a lot of options that the other receivers didn't. I, I think uh, I think Marvin Jones is the is the calm veteran influence for Lawrence. And you know, look, they threw the ball in the fifties. They're going to still throw the ball a great deal at Jacksonville. We know he's going to sling it. I think Marvin Jones is a beneficiary of that. Uh, Miami has a lot of ways they can win in what should be a slugfest with the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to go with Marvin Jones here. Yeah, it's close for me as well, although I think I will side with you and Jones over Waddle. And, and, you know, again, maybe I shouldn't be talking about Jalen Waddle because I I did not like him in the pre-draft process. I did not like him during Mm. drafting season. And quite frankly, I still not am sold on him, but I did like Marvin Jones as far as the value goes. So I'm going to go with Jones over Waddle as well. Moving on, Travis in Swansboro, North Carolina. How daring is it on my part if I sit Kyle Pitts this week in favor of Rob Gronkowski, guys. So this is interesting. So Pitts kind of had a quiet uh, opening week. Uh, Pitts and Gronkowski play each other this week. That game is in Tampa. Farrell, is it going to be Pitts or is it going to be Gronk for you? Everything fell apart for Pitts in week one because of the way the team played around him. But he still caught four balls, and he's going to continue to be a force in that offense. They've got to have Pitts deliver. There's so many deliverers down in uh, Tampa. The football world's now talking about uh, the excellent receivers that the Buccaneers have, but uh, Antonio Brown may be the best. That seems to be the narrative that's coming from all the football people. Let's take a look at Kyle Pitts' uh, play in a game that uh, is going up against a stellar defense. Let's see if Ryan can get him the ball, and and I think Kyle Pitts would be your play here. Gronkowski, uh, because of nothing but the fact that there's only one football on the Tampa side of the field, can burn you sometimes. Not every week is going to be a 30-point week. But you know what? If you've got this problem, if you've got these players, uh, you've got a pretty good situation. So maybe you should find someone else to put on the bench in the FFPC. You need to play both these guys. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, and that would be my advice as well with the tight end premium for sure. If you can't find a way to do it, I still think you play Pitts over Gronk for a lot of the reasons Farrell said. Remember, you know, Atlanta should be throwing a ton this game. This could be a big Pitts game. Not sure if it'll be a big Gronkowski game two weeks in a row. Final email tonight, Eddie in Southfield, Michigan, I believe a, a familiar emailer to this show. He writes, Dear Balky and Farrell, I'm loving what Jameis Winston did in week one. Now I'm contemplating playing with fire and starting him over Ryan Tannehill in week two. Is that a move you'd recommend? Good luck in your matchups, Eddie in Southfield, Michigan. Eddie, we certainly appreciate you emailing in. Um, obviously, things are a little bit different in week two. Jameis Winston is going to Carolina to play there, and then Ryan Tannehill is going all the way on the West Coast. He's going to Seattle. Farrell, for me, I can't start Winston over Tannehill uh, just based on what Tannehill does with his legs, and Winston does not. So I'm rolling with uh, Tannehill over in uh, in Seattle this week over James Winston. I think I can, Balky. I might go the other way. I watched with great pain to see what Tannehill had to deal with this week. He dealt with the coaching staff that only had Derrick Henry on the field for 64% of the plays. Uh, he was <laughs> – the, the uh, pass rush from Arizona uh, d- defeated Tannehill all day and, and made him look ineffective. Uh, this team lived through play action, uh, the, the fakes to the running backs last year. Uh, they did play action. They had one play of play action this entire uh, uh, this entire game. I, it, it was a, an absolute disaster. I want to see Tennessee get it right uh, before I'm, I'm willing to put this quarterback out on the field. Jameis Winston threw five touchdowns. As we say in Kentucky, Balky, we're not going to shoot the horse that won the race. Go with Jameis Winston. Yeah, Jameis Winston, we cannot get on a, on a uh, solid agreement here, but that is what this show is all about. I cannot believe that Farrell is recommending a Florida State guy, and I am not. That's just the way I rolled this week. But I will say this. Go with your gut. It's close enough where it's not a clear-cut decision. This is your team. 
It's not Farrell's team. It's not my team. It's your team. That's so right. we can, all we can do is provide the advice, and, uh, and, and, uh, and you've got to make the decisions yourself. It's why we love fantasy football. It's why I love doing this show, quite frankly, and it's why I love talking with Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You follow him on Twitter at Elliott. Check out the KFFSC going forward at KFFSC.com. Farrell, once again, such a pleasure to, uh, to hang out with you for an hour. Good luck in, uh, in week two, man, and we will talk to you next Friday night, dude. Thank you, Balky. I'll be looking forward to it. As will I. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the best co-host in the business. That completes this evening's programming. I want to thank Garrett Lorman. I want to thank Farrell Elliott. I want to thank the FFPC, and I want to thank Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for popping on and hanging out with us uh, this evening. We will be back next week again after our little two-week hiatus for the uh, Draftathon and then the live events at the FFPC main event. But we're going to be back next week. Week one main event, fourth place team owner Jason Tavares will be our guest next week at 10-9 Central. Can't wait to talk with him as well. Uh, good luck to everybody in week two. Good luck in your fab bidding uh, for Sunday morning. And I uh, hope the ball bounces your way. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I didn't plan on necessarily ending the show on a somber note tonight, but um, because this is the first show we're doing after the passing of Norm McDonald, I, I did want to just um, say a couple of things here real quick. Um, I'm a huge Saturday Night Live fan. I have been for pretty much all my life. And a lot of the people I talk to um, say, well, what was your favorite era of SNL? And for me, it was that late 80s, early to mid 90s era with Carvey and Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, David Spade, Rob Schneider, Chris Farley, um, and, of course, Norm MacDonald, who was doing Weekend Update uh, back then. Um, Norm MacDonald is one of the few comedians, and, and I didn't realize how big of a fan I was until I started. I've been watching a lot of Norm MacDonald stuff this week, and I didn't realize what a big fan of his I was until I really started going down the rabbit hole, which is what I did the last couple of nights. And I, and I don't know if any of you guys feel the same way, but um, – you can't, you know, you hear comedians tell jokes and you retell them to your friends and they think they're hilarious. You can't really retell a Norm MacDonald joke because of his delivery, because of his meandering on the way to get there. Um, it, it, it's something special. And he was an artist. You know, he truly was a comedic artist. If you ever, um, you know, watch some of the interviews where he's talking about comedy, he's talking about jokes, and he's talking about connecting with an audience. I, I think there was, he was a really special guy. And to battle cancer for nine years and, and pass away way too early at 61 was certainly sad. Um, but, you know, I think we can all still enjoy him. Obviously, the Internet, um, you know, his, his, his jokes and his, his art live on there. Um, and I'll just close with this. If you are looking for a vintage Norm MacDonald stuff. Now, I watched the 35-minute video of nothing but O.J. Simpson weekend update jokes. I've seen so many of his late-night interviews. I watched a couple of his sketches as well on SNL, which he was very good on. If you don't have time for all that, I totally get it. But if you can find six minutes in your life, go on YouTube, search Norm MacDonald moth joke, M-O-T-H, the insect, Norm MacDonald moth joke, and watch it for six minutes, and that is Norm MacDonald in a nutshell. R.I.P. Norm MacDonald, we miss you already, and we will talk to all of you fantasy footballers next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.